Alright, Rachel. PG-13. PG-13. Mm, did someone say R-rated? No! No! <laughs> PG! What? No! No! Not. Yes. 110% not. Yes. We said we <laughs> said in character we got in character. PG. We're rolling. I just All I just right. had Reese have a mini stroke. Okay, enough no. of you. PG. We're rolling. Okay. Hello everyone. You are listening to Moody and D Gone Rogue. I'm your host Rachel Sanders. Here we discuss gameplay, strategies, and reasoning from the Moody and D cast. This week we are discussing episodes 14 through 16. I will have everyone roll initiative, and in that order, they can introduce themselves and actually introduce themselves. I'm speaking to Kent, Reese, and Christian. Prof and I can do great. Where did my die go? Here you mine. Computer. It's right behind your it's computer. It's right here. Oh. All right. Ah. Well, higher than Reese. All right. Oh, tw- uh, Four. 20 to 15. Four. 20 to 15? Yeah. 17. Okay. That's number one. Uh, 15 to 10? 14. 12. 14, 12. Okay. And then... Okay, so we're. Da, 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 da. Okay, so we, we reversed the order from reversed. last time. <laughs> okay, that's hilarious. Um, what's your name? Who do you uh, play? Yes. Who, and, and, you. and what episodes are we discussing? I said that. Okay, cool. I'm bad at that. listening. Yeah, really. <laughs> I okay. The level in of his, saltiness in this room right in now. In his defense, I Reese wasn't talking. So he didn't need this. Here's the thing, though. I am so bad at remembering things that have, that are in my immediate past. I once put my wallet in my backpack. <laughs> I was here for this. Stood up to and then proceeded to attempt to do it again, <laughs> having immediately forgotten that I, I just I was there did. for this. I was watching oh, him. Like, I have watched him set things down on his desk and two minutes later be like, wait, where did I put that? Yep. <laughs> like, I, my short-term memory is non-existent. It's I just, I just recently listened to God Rogue episode four. Oh, no. And just the, the, the moment where Reese go, where you guys are talking about, but I was talking... Just cracked me up. Oh yeah, it's always my favorite thing. Oh. <laughs> I was talking. I Anyways, who are you? I'm Kent. No, I play not. Bran. Stop talking. <laughs> what are you doing? Wow, Reese. <laughs> Letting out your inner from chaos. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Oh, there wow. is. Here's the thing. Tor is a very real element of my personality. Of course. Uh, yeah. Okay, so Tor's not here right now. I, I play Bran. What are you talking about? And that's my Warhammer Tor. I um. Gosh. My first question. What were, like, for Klaus, for Christian. Hello. Was there, like, how did you plan to reveal yourself and did it go as planned? Like, it, I had a different mind picture of it, but it mostly went as planned. What did you picture? So I pictured the lizard folk of Kaizo, the leadership in Adra, for some reason being by the entrance into the dungeon. And suddenly they just hear the footsteps Uh, on the staircase. And then he comes out of the shadow and he, and I was hoping that Adra would be doing something. And the line that I used... I see you've become quite formidable, little lizard, was kind of the thing that I wanted to say. Okay, so I you got 90% of what I got wanted. 90% of what I wanted. Yeah. I the got... only difference is I just let Prof Mac choose where she was. Exactly, was exactly. Um, but I was able to roll with that. In that moment, I was getting Pretty Little Liars vibes, and like, you know, Allie coming back and be like, I'm back! 
click another word that I'm not going to say for Reese's sake. <laughs> Thank you for not making me edit. Um, I've never watched Pretty Little Liars. I've not either. I'll say, I haven't nope. seen the show. Okay, so that, that reference is lost yeah. on everybody except for maybe some of our listeners. Yeah. They're probably not. They have good taste. All right. Well, <laughs> Prof you know, Mac, it's your turn. I want to be next to Prof Mac. Prof Hi Mac there. has been nice this whole entire time. I want to be next Maybe to her because I'm still so hot. Um, I was gonna say Prof Mac can be mean. <laughs> She's never been mean to me. I don't think. Um, I don't think. I don't know. Who knows? Hi guys, my name is Rachel McKelvey, aka Prof Mac. I play Audra. My question is, wow, for so many, uh, mostly for Christian. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm gonna save it. So mine is just this was just a statement. Reese, just know Rashik is my favorite. Rashik is my favorite. Good. I pronounce it. Good. She I was just meant to be. Re-listening to that interaction, I was like, solid. And mm-hmm. I know that I have a little bit of like who she is in my backstory too. And yeah. just like I love Rashik. Yeah. Chef's kiss. No, Rashik and uh, Vitoka are actually very they're very similar people. Yeah, yeah. They're actually both druids, both have fairly high wisdom. That was what I was getting in my brain. I was sitting there in the recording of the last two episodes or the first two episodes for Arc 3 being like why is Vitoka striking my memory? And it's because I was remembering Rashik. Rashik and Vitoka are very very similar characters who all they they are followers of the same deity. Mm-hmm. They are both druids. One of them is more powerful than the other, but they're both druids. Like it's fully they they are very similar in a lot of ways. And so the, yeah, so I I appreciate that. Rashik was meant to be very lovable and desirable to be around as a person. Yeah. No. Well, that. you did a great job with that. Also, side note, which if we need to edit out, that's fine. Does the whole temple I went to ask is last game? The whole temple of Kaizo. Follow Eidos. Uh, it was like, is that something that yes. Audra should already be familiar with the name of? Yes. Okay. Cool. Oh yeah. I mean, here's the thing. <laughs> Probably should know like, this already. But. It's so the the following of Eidos. It's <clears throat> the leaders for the most part do. Like, it's not like every single one of them is a devout follower of Eidos. The temple is not to Eidos. The temple was to Kazarash. Yeah. Um, and originally. The lizard folk congregated in the temple as a collection of Kazarashes, and Kazarash was the center of worship for a while. Got it. Um, but eventually, because the. Um, yes, you guys know this. Um, Urthej uh, and a couple of the other lizard folk are members of the Blood Hunter Order of the Druidic Templar. Mm-hmm. Um, view blood magic as an innate, uh, as, as an innate property of nature. And um, and see that also as something that is, um, and because of their connection to nature, because of the way they view nature, uh, they have had an intrinsic connection to Aedas. So, yeah. Awesome. So not all of them, a good number of them though. So. All right. Next person, introduce yourself. My name is Christian Majewski. Are you making fun of me right now? No, but yes. Um, and I play Klaus. That was bad. But, Reese, I have a question for you. Okay. You knew Klaus was coming back. Yes. How did you feel with about that when I told you? And knowing you, I'm guessing you were interested, but were you afraid of what, maybe what, how things were going to happen? Or were you just interested in what was going to happen? Here's the thing. We've had a lot of conversations <clears throat> like this where we've talked through 
something difficult is going to happen to or around the party, and uh, one of you guys who has known something that was going to happen has been like, okay, here's where I think it's going to go wrong. Reese, how do you feel about this? And maybe this just has to do with my DM style, but we're all aware. There's not really a part, there's not really ever a game that I run ex where there's no in-party fighting. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like We've heard that many times. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure we didn't really have a ton of in-party fighting. Actually, we might not have had any in-party fighting episodes 28 and 29 when we recorded them. Well, because um, we were busy doing we other were, things. Right. <laughs> no, and we they, deliberately did not talk to each other. Right. And so, so there wasn't like in-party fighting. There was tension, but there wasn't really in-party fighting. And then for the first time, another party that I run after a year and a half of play, finally played a game where there was no in-party fighting, and that's only because one of them got a form of amnesia. Uh, <laughs> and wouldn't know to object. Amazing. So, um, but there was, there would have been in-party fighting, but like something about the way that I tend to run games leads to high tension. Mm -hmm. um, whether that's because I try to put a strong emphasis on the real life emotional ends of things, or, uh, try to actually keep the storytelling very raw, very real. I'm not trying to make you all feel like superheroes. Um, mm -hmm. Whether it's that or whether it's something else, I don't know. Um, but I, as a DM, am not afraid of tension at all. Mm -hmm. Not a concern of mine. I've never been worried about it. I've never been scared of it. Um, just because, like, literally, the first game I ever ran for a party had in-party fighting. Mm. That was ground zero. And so, you know... You can only go up from there. Right, precisely. The first game I ever ran had a crazy little druid and a doctor and then a paladin. So, and you all fought like mad. Yes, we did. <laughs> especially, uh, especially you two. Lick the wise, rest in peace. Oh, yeah. <laughs> rest in peace. I mean, we didn't fight like crazy, crazy. I thought we did pretty good. We, we argued, we didn't fight. That's yeah. fair. And Lick the Wise, he wasn't fighting. He was just going about his business. You know? He was instigating. Oh, I have funny things to say. Anyways. Anyway, say continuing. So, yeah. No, it, it, it didn't freak me out. There was never, like, there wasn't a planning portion of my brain of, like, how do I de-escalate? That just, like, it was, it's never a part of the way I think about games. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, okay, interesting. So you didn't really have any thoughts about it? Nah. I wasn't worried. I was like, here's how class is going to get introduced. Not sure exactly where it'll go, but it'll go somewhere, and I know how to get it there. Yeah, yeah, you know, like that's. I didn't plan like I didn't plan based on various different reactions of Adra's. Everything that happened until like, because I knew that you were going to really be the hook into going into the underworld, mm -hmm. um, and if y'all had rejected him on that, I wouldn't have like that would have been okay. Reese is now fully improving the rest of the campaign. Mm -hmm. But because you were the hook in and because, you know, you were driven by vengeance and also wanting to make sure that he didn't do anything, you know, um, which he didn't. Right. Um, but because that everything lined up the way that it needed to and because there was uh, Erthej and Migosk and, you know, everybody <clears throat> who showed up when you started calling for them, I was never worried about it. Okay, interjecting questionnaire, I know I'm out of order, but what would you have done if Klaus had died in the first episode or been rejected? Like, what what, what would have been, like, the next step kind of thing? That would depend on where the party wanted to go. If the party was interested in, say, say they wanted to explore the outer world, I would have created a new version of the campaign uh, exterior uh, of Kaizo. I probably would have had something where the... Because uh, 
you know, if y'all left and we did a year jump, then Kuza would have been uninterrupted in the underlane for an extended period of time. You know, like we we jumped five months to where we are at uh, at the end of arc two, and like if you guys hadn't come in and done something, he probably would have just continued expanding his control of the underlight and then redirected his force forces up to Kaizo. Mm -hmm. So what you probably would have run into is a slightly more powerful Kuza coming up with an army into Kaizo, driving you guys out of the temple and forcing you to like that yeah. would have become the campaign as a survival and then reclaim homeland campaign. Yep. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Who's next? I believe it's me. Who um, are you? I'm Reese. I'm the DM. <laughs> Slash. Not a humble dungeon master Slash anymore. Slash what? Tor. Tor is not a character. Tor is an NPC. There are tons of NPCs. Do you want me to go? Slash Kuza. Slash Tor. Slash Vitoka. Slash uh, you know Migo. Slash Rishak. Slash you know, everybody. <laughs> um, okay. See what I get from him. We all do. Audra. It's okay. Yes. I want you to explain everything to me. Give us internal dialogue, subconscious thoughts, things you weren't aware of until afterward. Give me everything. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, you don't want to know everything because I can't say it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. no say it's a, it. Let's okay. give Reese a hard time. This episode is R rated. Reese gave me no, yeah. permission. Not. No, it's, it's R rated. Go for it. No, no. it's not. Um, He's been sassy this time. Let's give him a hard wow. time. Wow. There. I think my first thought was just, how did I not see this coming? Like, pure shock. You really were. Like, we've talked we talked about it afterward, and you were like, oh my I gosh. was not expecting It was that hilarious, because I was, like, I was sitting there. I'd listened through the whole episode. I'm like, I'd met Christian once. You know, yeah. I came in and heard. I was here for a recording of 12 and 13. I'm like, he is totally bringing class back, NECA. Like, I knew it was happening. Prop Max, like... What? But here's the deal. Here's the deal of what I have learned is what what the audience doesn't know is behind the scenes. After we wrapped arc one, we stayed and talked for like two yes, more hours, mm. just getting history and all of this. And the whole time, Christian was like, "I don't know what I'm gonna do." And he had talked and about he like didn't at the time. He did it, which is fair. But he, like we had even talked through options of like does because you had mentioned maybe having Klaus try and overpower. Mm -hmm. And you were like, we could do. And you were our... there when that failed, because I right. You rolled roll, a couple. Yeah. Right. I have it all on the, like a voice memo because I was recording the yep. history of stuff. So and I had taken the break to re-listen to all of that to prep for coming into arc two. Yeah. And then we left the recording room, and the last thing I heard as I'm walking to my office is Christian talking to Reese and saying. Oh, I have this really great idea for the character I want to use next. Who I think arc. is still your backup, isn't she? Um, I don't remember if I already came up with Samira at that point, but yeah. Yeah. Anyways, That'll come up that was come the up. last thing that I heard walking out. So in my mind, um, I unless I'm like improving, I tend to be more of an internal processor slash hate making decisions. So if yeah. I say something out loud. I've already made that decision. I know yeah. it's going to happen. So I kind of just took it as that's mm -hmm. what was happening. Uh, so that's why when Kizak showed up, I was like, totally makes sense. Because the last thing I heard was Christian had come up with a new character. Yep. So it was just not even on my radar at all. And again, knowing that Audra had left the temple to prove things to herself and prove Klaus wrong and like, in her mind process, I'm his death, which she had it. 
all of a sudden to be confronted with everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, okay, this is the moment to prove that I have grown mm-hmm. and not kill him right away. <laughs> but she wanted it to happen. But, you know, she... Yeah, and that's that's one thing that um, actually didn't happen the way that I wanted it to happen. You wanted I, me to attack I you? I wanted you to attack me. Yeah. I mean, because, I did, but... Because I, I, I had Klaus keep all the golden nuggets for the big reveal in front of everybody that you hurt me, that you stole from yep. me, that you attacked me. So I wanted that on top of it. Yeah. A fresh wound yeah. to show. But yeah, sorry, keep going. No, no, So yeah, it just was like this internal struggle and um, yeah. I don't know, that that was one of those like surreal, because I just was not expecting it at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That it, it was super fun to play because I felt like really I got to just be in character. Mm-hmm. And yeah. even in the like, having to back up and like still be apart but re- remove herself from the situation was like her re- but it took everything and like, clearly it didn't last because yeah. she threw the <laughs> threw a knife anyways yeah but yeah Dang. i don't know if that answered your question there were just yeah. a lot of emotions going yeah, on yeah no in that totally moment. i yeah i was so giddy I was like, you this guy. Entire time. He was bouncing oh, in his Lord. seat, guys. It was hilarious. This guy. I. You all played me. I was so mad. Like, I had messaged, which... <laughs> my brother has been talking about, about yeah. drawing characters for us for a long time. It's never going to happen. But I had, <laughs> yeah. I had even messaged him about the character of Kizak. Oh, yeah. And, like, this is what he looks like. And I was excited to have another lizard folk on the campaign. Episode 14 is one of my favorite episodes. Yep. Are we on F14 now? That's, we're still on Yeah, 14. we're only we've at 14. On 14. Oh, wait, I'm still stuck on 13. Sorry. It's okay. Um, I don't think it's my time yeah, to yeah, no, ask right. a question. Yeah. It's your turn. Sweet, Bran. We're going to change the entire oh, tone boy. of the room from goopy yes. to kind of serious. Okay. You've been in Tipple for a couple months. Couple Five months. Five months, couple months, whatever it is. How does this comfort he is feeling relate to Kent's ideal comfort in life and the comfort we have in Christ for, due to his sacrifice for our salvation? Ooh. <laughs> okay. Um, so, like I mentioned, I guess the yeah last episode of Gone, Gone Rogue, Bran and Tor are like two very different sides of my personality. Like, Bran is this ordered structure, hates chaos which is very much show a part of me at times. And then there's Tor, who is just sheer spontaneity and chaos, which is also a part of me. And they come out at different weird times and things. Restate your question, because I want to make sure that I capture all of it. You've been in Temple for a couple months. How does this comfort that Bran is feeling relate to what Kent's ideal and comfort in life is and the comfort we have in Christ due to his sacrifice for our salvation. Hmm. Okay. I think actually that... It's a poorly worded question. No, but I get where you're going. I actually think that Bran's comfort in the temple is a little bit of a false comfort because we can never really fully be in control, so he feels like he's in control Mm -hmm. of the temple, but I mean, Klaus showing up proves that he's not. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, and that kind of is a beginning of him, like, struggling with that more and more because he went from a very chaotic place, came to the temple, felt like he was in control of everything, and then is now no longer in control because there's this purple lizard folk that, like, everybody talks about being a horrible murderer. So I think... 
Um, it kind of just shows that even in the in Brand's desire for control, like there's it's a false hope and a false comfort because yep. you can't really get it at the end of the day. Well, and because you're looking for it in yourself. Right, yeah, You're exactly. looking for trying to acquire control via force and via, mm -hmm. you know, sheer will. Mm -hmm. And that's not going to be fruitful for him in right. the long run, and we're going to see some of that. And it's, it's well, and that's the other thing, and that's why I love building Brand's character the way he is. It is impossible for him to ever have control because he's literally the a warlock of wild magic and a wild magic sorcerer. Yep. His life is built around chaos. And mm -hmm. so because of that, he cannot ever have control. And, and the temple allowed him to feel like he could, but now he, like, I mean, he's with these two, and I'm pointing at <laughs> Audra and yes. There's no way he will ever have control again in his life, likely, and it's forcing him to have to, like, yeah. come to terms with it. Yeah, or do not. That was going to be my question, using my reaction to butt in. Um, <laughs> oh my do you feel like the, the arc that Bran is on right now is kind of coming to terms with the fact that, as in real life, mm -hmm. Our lives are not in our control, but rather in the in the real world, in the supremacy of God, right. in the in the the supremacy of whatever whim of Reese. <laughs> um, do you feel like that's where he's going, or are you not sure? Do you think that there's maybe like a different path that he might I be taking? You guys, so the audience, will you will have seen the last episode, and we'll talk about it more when we get there. Last episode of Arc Two. I see Bran in episode 14 starting a slow spiral downward because mm. he can't control everything. Mm. And it's very slow, like very, very minimal. Yeah. And we'll pro we'll talk about it more and more as it kind of comes up a little bit. And then in episode and 29. 20, it just culminates into like he fully loses control there. Yeah. So I into think. Finding, finding his profession. Right. Internal decorator. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, that's true. So I think I think uh, that like episode fourteen marks the beginning of a spiral in Brand's character arc, and I'm not sure where he's gonna go with it. Um, so it, it'll be interesting. Reese and I spent five hours one night this summer talking about where I wanted Brand to go. So I was yeah. at the camp till one a.m. Mm -hmm. talking with him about this. Yeah, and then decided to it, fall off the cliff. Well, that was <laughs> different. I didn't make a decision to fall off a cliff. The cliff made the decision for him. True. <laughs> there you go. Anyway. Anyways, yes. let's move to episode 15. Top of the initial order. Which is me. Go for it. Oh, right. Shoot. Um, I guess... So, for Klaus, and share as much as you can, what was Klaus's internal reaction to seeing Bran? Like, doesn't expect a human... Had, you know... In when, no way, shape, or form is ready for Bran to be in the room. My biggest fear going into Arc 2, once I once I was slowly coming to the decision that I wanted Klaus to come back, was that you were going to play human. <laughs> and then we come, we come into episode 12, and Bran appears, and you say that he's a human, and I'm like, well, I guess I have to deal with that now. <laughs> um... I don't want to share much because Klaus's, Klaus's backstory and history and inner workings are very close to my heart. 
and unless they are revealed within the series, I don't necessarily want to divulge much. Yep. Um, but everything I narrate, every um, maybe not most things I narrate, most things I do, always have a purpose. Usually, a good ninety percent of it. Yeah. And Klaus's body language is very vivid. It's very out there mm -hmm. because he's always in control, except for a couple of moments. Yep. <laughs> like when he sees a human in a like temple when, full of what should be dragonborn. Yeah, like when he sees a human and he did not have to deal with that for years at this yeah. point. Mm -hmm. So all of it comes flushing back. And it at first it was rage, then it was disgust, and then... One of the one of the biggest reasons why there was so much tension within me and within Klaus was because I was imagining you touching me the entire time. And it was just the uncomfort and yep. the sheer disgust of it. Like literally, I was in my head thinking and deciding whether I want to Klaus Klaus to just walk off and vomit at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's how strong his emotions are. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Next. By the way, I just want to let everybody know that me as a person is not allowed to know anything about Klaus's home content from Re con continent from Reese. He refuses to tell me anything about Omarcel because I'm not allowed to know. You guys will get some more information as we continue to dive into things from miniseries, but yep, sure. Any information regarding Klaus's experience must come from Klaus. Mm -hmm. And on that note, next question. That's me. Uh, I only had two, and they're both for Christian, so I'm going to kind of blend them together because well. you probably won't answer the first one. Also, just a technical rule, you can't use your reaction on your own turn, but... <laughs> what? What did I do? <laughs> you used your reaction to butt in after the question was asked. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, <laughs> what did Kizak hide? Will you tell us? You want to know? Yes. Does a stick of vanilla? From Klaus? Mm -hmm. When Klaus first came into the temple, he was talking to Kizak. Uh-huh. And uh That was so gross. Just gave him gave him a gave him a little gift. And he had just stolen something off of some people from in on Zatair, and it was just a stick of vanilla. Interesting. Uh and Kizak loved it. He wanted to keep it and he loved the smell. So when Kizak saw him again, he was like, Hey, do you have more? And so, you, li oh, wow. Gosh. Okay, okay. Oh, um, I'm gonna save it. Okay. End game. Um, you may not be able to ask that question again. No, 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 no. Okay. Just, just now that I know this, it's okay. like there's consequences to that. Um, game. Um, game. No, 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 not at I all. Know. I just am like, oh man. You want to talk to? You want to talk about adult metagaming? <laughs> Um, what you did this summer? <laughs> what I know what you did last summer. Meta gaming. I'm in charge of. I'm in charge of the world. No, no, no. What you did to me last. Yes, summer. I know. I'm in charge of the world. <laughs> um, but in the moment mm -hmm. uh, when we were fighting the Ankeg, you knew what it was, mm -hmm. and I was just curious: is it, is it you, Christian, knowing what an Ankeg was, or was it you, Klaus, knowing what an Ankeg was? Both. Okay. Okay. Um, so Klaus has had some experience with Ankegs. Yes. Okay. Cool. Um, he has, like Reese said in the episode, he has talked to Kuza about them. I don't know if he had actually encountered one. Um, no. No. <laughs> he, he didn't encounter one. He knew of their existence. That's why Reese let me use a stat block. 
because I didn't actually know anything about them. I just knew of their existence. Got it. Okay. I just was curious because it was one of those, like, the way um, that it was phrased, it was borderline. On kegs are like, they're a very commonly mm -hmm. known D&D mm -hmm. monster. Yeah. And so I knew that either one of them or both of them would recognize on keg when I explained it. Yeah. Well, so. I mean, I had just fought an on keg like three nights before in my other D&D group. So nice. I was like, one day that is. week I was writing a one shot and one of the creatures that I was using was an on keg. Yeah. They're yeah. very, very common. Yeah. I've, I used them in my family's game, but I just was curious. Yeah. 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 Cool. Oh, me? Yes. Um, for episode 15. Season 9. Prof Mac. Yeah. Why was that that suspicious of Klaus's and Kizak's interaction? Why was she suspicious? Yeah, why was she so suspicious of it? Because she does not trust Klaus at all. Uh, and I think she still sees Kizak as very impressionable. Mm -hmm. And... Honestly, I like again. She thinks she's like this evolved person and mm -hmm. has changed. So what she wanted to do was forcefully grab whatever, but she you know, tried to have the conversation. And then I think with Kizak responding so positively towards Klaus, it like sent off all the red flags. Yeah, it of, wasn't necessarily a positive response. It was just not an inherently negative one. We'll agree to disagree on that. <laughs> okay. it, was, it was a positive response, but... Uh, and in Audra's mind, anything that's not negative yeah, to Klaus yeah, yeah, is yeah, automatically yeah. Well, he was just like, he was like, what, he's done nothing wrong. Like, all he's done, like, he was pointing out, like, the good things about Klaus, and for Audra, that's, like, a red flag. What good things was he pointing out about Klaus? Or just, like... Well, so here's the thing. What, what Kizak said was that, um... And I, this, I'm a actually quote Kizak because I, um, you have the quote. So, so one of the things that one of the things that actually has happened a lot in Gone Rogue episodes is Christian. You've explained how Klaus really hasn't done much mm -hmm. in the way of giving people reason to distrust him aside from his mannerisms. Mm -hmm. Now they, there was like, and were, again, I did, I do not say that that is 100% right. completely true. Oh, yes. I don't remember everything, but for the most part. Well, so there were two things that actually Kent caught one of them. Um, but there was one point in arc one where you tried to hit Audra with a glass bottle. But um, missed. But you missed. And then there was another time in arc two where you also tried to hit Audra. But aside from that, uh, and aside from going with Kuza, you did fight Kuza in all of the fights. Mm -hmm. You right. were not fighting on his behalf in any of those. And so, um, as far as Klaus perceives, he hasn't given Audra a reason to distrust him. And I'm imagining, because you said that, or Kizak said that uh, there there wasn't really much of a reason to distrust him. I'm imagining that you, uh, that Klaus had explained something like that, or rather, maybe that uh, Kizak just assumed it. So, I'll I'll give you guys a little bit of the back thought of what I had, and this is this is going really deep into things that we'll never explore. <laughs> but I love it. basically, what what Klaus and Kizak what their interaction is all about is really Kizak feels like an outcast within the Temple of Kaizo. Um, mm -hmm. He feels like the odd one out. Nobody understands him except for Surak slightly. Um, and Klaus was one of the first people who was just nice to him. He talked to him. He was interested in his inventions and he gave him something. Mm. Um, 
and for, for Klaus, it was not necessarily out of selfless reasons. Right. He was interested in his inventions. Right. He was interested in what Kizak could bring to Klaus's cause. Yes. But outwardly and with Kizak's very low charisma and very low, like, he's, he's very intelligent. He's not very wise. And he's very young. So, yes, he's impressionable. Yeah. And um, Klaus was one of the few people who was actually nice to him didn't call him names, didn't call, didn't destroy his things, was actually interested in it and talked to him about it. Mm -hmm. So that was the first time when Klaus was in Kaizo, that's what was going on. Um, and then he saw Kizak again and he just interacted with him a little bit. He did not explain everything, mm -hmm. anything. He just approached him the same way. Yeah. Because he is a master manipulator. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Go oh, ahead. sorry. I have just kind of two quick thoughts on a Audra's response of mm -hmm. uh, that's interesting knowing the backstory. But I think even Audra's response was like the story of that has been disseminated across the temple about Klaus was that Klaus killed Ima. Mm -hmm. So then for Kizak to not Kizak, mm -hmm. which sorry, it's yeah, a yeah. whole thing, which is fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also this is like related. But I just find super interesting that the character of Kizak feels like he's not understood. And mm -hmm. part of like how I've played Audra is like she hasn't been fully understood mm -hmm. either. And I feel like so often, like you've created this world where like the lizard folk are welcoming and all this mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But yet we have these two characters we've mm -hmm. created. And I'm like, so often I feel like that is the enemy's tactic to like mm -hmm. make us feel alone. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what like makes us make these crazy decisions or blame yep. people or blame situations. Yep. And so I just find that super interesting yep. that our right. characters are both living out of that. And it's like, I so that's probably the number one thing when I talk with students here is mm -hmm. they feel so alone or they feel like yep. mm -hmm. no one else experienced this or I'm not like, I'm not your typical moody student or yep. moody, and it's like, yo, I literally just had five meetings yesterday with other students that feel that same way, but nobody talks about it. Mm -hmm. And, yep. and that silence is what, allows the enemy to kind of pull us aside and we're yep, even yep. seeing how this silence is like making audra make these decisions and like making who it. knows what kizak yep. is deciding and all that kind yeah. of anyway, it's just a side yeah. interesting note yep. i'm like wow um rolling through that into my thing mm -hmm. uh the quote that i mentioned uh kizak saying to audra you don't treat anybody right mm -hmm. <laughs> audra what was going through your mind when that happened like that can't not hit hard yeah. After five months of Kizak being like, almost like the, not the replacement for Ima, but like the new, like it was you, Kizak, and Bran were like the group for a little while. And Bran obviously was probably a little less present because you were still functioning like an adult within mm -hmm. the place. You were yeah. working, you were smithing. Mm -hmm. But like, what, the, Kizak was probably one of the closer individuals at the time. How did that hit? Like, what, ha what happened when you heard that? <sighs> it, it hit it hit pretty hard but also uh i think was kind of one of those because i think she just kind of brushes it off in moments like yeah. yeah that's right whatever but part of the uh journey and internal dialogue that audra has been going through which kind of happens a little bit in uh 28 and 29 is this idea that she is broken and not enough and like mm -hmm. hearing Kizak say that was just like confirmation of like mm -hmm. you you've probably seen a more 
open side of Audra than like the rest of the temple has in a minute. And like, just to kind of throw that in her face was mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. oh, oh, yep, okay, cool. Yeah, and, and Kazak is very much just a teenager. So he, he got heated, he said things he maybe shouldn't have said, but also he doesn't necessarily, he sees you as the closest person in the temple. That doesn't necessarily mean you're friends. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm. In his mind, at least. Yeah. yeah. And he is a very just thinking kind of person. Yeah. Not a feeling kind of person. Yeah, mm. yeah totally. So yeah. when his emotions come in, they burst. Yeah. 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 I'm going to use my turn to move to 16 just to make sure we have plenty of time for okay. dialogue for the next one. So I'm just going to go first. Bran, how does it be? How does it feel to be at the fragile age of 33 and almost the weakling of the group? Oh, I remember when the that wise happened. The old man of the group. I remember when that happened. Just being like, that's still like a 15 joke because that happened in episode 15. Yep. Yeah. Well, so it's both. I rem- it's 16. We see a little bit more. I remember when that happened. It was so funny because I, I just was like, wait a second, he's eight years older. This is weird. And then. Like, after recording, none, like, the three of us, Christian, Reese, and I just would not stop making jokes about it, and Prof. Matt got so mad, and it was We absolutely loved it. It's like, one of my favorite it's, inside it's jokes. Still, still the running gag. It, yes. Like, in our group chat, it is still a consistent... Oh, yes. Like, yes. like, we had, we to confirm, recently to confirm a recording date for something had... we had to change it. We had to and, change something. And I said, all oh, in favor, oh, please say, uh, Brand has one foot in the grave. Brand has one foot in the grave, and we all, you know, all of us are responding, and Prof. Mac had, like, some long diatribe about it. Yeah, that's what I'm looking up. It was amazing. Bran uh, <laughs> is a thriving young man who has his best years ahead of him. And we ah! basically just said that it's the delusion slowly setting in. Yeah. Like, I'm going to add a little grandma emoji next to your contact. Duh. <laughs> oh my gosh. But the, funny, the funniest so thing is, Bran basically went from being Christian to being Prof. Mac. This is true. <laughs> it's true. That's in true. age. <laughs> in age, he did. Yep. Yeah. Well, and I think the funny thing, too, is. So this was happening in like January, mm-hmm. right? And I yeah. turned 33 in March. <laughs> so it was one of those where it's like I'm literally approaching this age, <laughs> and it's old. <laughs> what? Get 12 it's years so on true. me. So <laughs> yeah. Oh, trust me. I have a sibling that's 19 years younger than me. So it's okay. I Wait. get called old. All You're the time. younger than my sister, so. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> yeah, it was it was amazing. And like it's one of those things with the wild magic table of just being like, where did this come from? You yep. know? Yep, yep. It was oh it was hilarious. Oh, I, I really that. hope that sometime later in the in all the arcs, Bran will get it to the same table, but then get eight years younger, become eight years younger. Seven that would nine. be well, hilarious. So it has to be an odd number. It'd be yeah, seven I know. Nine, I, I, we we looked uh, at the odds. The odds yep. are not in our favor. And oh, we no. No, because you, let's see, it's a it's, one in 400 chance that you get the same number, and then it is a one in 10, or it's a, or it's a one in two chance, so it's a 50-50 chance that he even de-ages. Mm-hmm. So the odds of that happening are so Very incredibly slim. low. But the fact that it was eight years to make exactly 33. And yo, I was, well, now I'm 33. But I actually was super looking forward to turning 33. (laughs) So I was like, this is my Jesus year. Like, I'm so pumped. Oh, my. And And then we just ran it. Then it was just like this running gag about how old. (laughs) 
ruined by a bunch of kids. Oh, that was. I love oh that. gosh, oh, Prof. We oh like, and the joke is still running. It's yeah. still. I wanted to be a part of it. It's still running. I mean, what it took us maybe, maybe a minute to make the foot, the one foot in the grave joke. Like it was like right after combat. Oh like, yeah, it was 100%. immediately. Well, that's one of those where it's like, Audra, a hundred percent thinks it's hilarious. He's oh, super yeah. old. Rachel thinks it's like, real bad. No, we're going to stand our ground. So it's even funny listening back to the episodes of like oh, yeah. seeing where Rachel just has to peek through and like <laughs> yes, make a with, your, with your brand, you look distinguished. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was, was one of those ages like fine wine. That moment was one of those where like Rachel peeked through, and then I was like, that is so weird for Audra to say, and I was like. Do I acknowledge it? Do I not? This was like the internal dialogue. And then, you did. and then I did, and I was like, I should have just left it alone. Oh well. So oh, <laughs> beautiful. Hilarious. That was amazing. Alrighty, we're gonna take that and go back to the beginning. Oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, I don't have one for sixteen because it it. I'm gonna be asking questions for fifteen as well. So. Okay. Well, who's I, asking I questions for sixteen? I I have a question for sixteen. Okay, we'll just, I just I want We'll just skip you two. We'll go Prof Mac and Reese. Yeah, that's. Oh totally no, fine. I do have a question for Reese though. And okay. it's not necessarily. Oh, we'll do Prof Matt, Christian, then Reese. Yeah, yeah. That Great. Works. Um Okay, I'll I'll ask mine in kind of two parts. Uh because okay. they're they're related. I was just curious, like for Christian, what is going through Klaus's mind being in a tunnel with some like people who hate him, one who like had a direct relation. Brand just kind of is like hate by association. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet you also hate brand like the, just the dynamic is so interesting so i'm like curious of like what what is going through klaus's mind in this moment but mm-hmm. then also can i just say knowing what we find out about what klaus did in the underlight mm-hmm. this the like mastery with which you evaded audra's oh, questions yeah. was oh beautiful gosh, like was knowing the mm-hmm. other side now it just it was it was so good. And so I just was wondering, like, in that moment, what is Klaus thinking? Like, because, I don't know, I just, like, the fact that you chose to give nothing of, you know, something happened. Like, I felt like it could have been a moment for you to maybe, like, twist the narrative a little bit. But you did it. You just, you gave no hints. Klaus was very aware of the things he'd done. Yeah. And... Maybe didn't necessarily 100% think through how you would react, but your animosity towards him was a given. And in my mind, there was not much more than I could add to that. Um, Yeah. Um, The first question with the dynamic between the three of us, um, I was happy to explore Bran as a human. I was also, at least in the, in that tunnel, if Bran was to cross Klaus at, in any sort of way, I would have totally tried to slit his throat when he was sleeping. <laughs> right, um, there we go. It's got rated R. <laughs> that's, that's just... <clears throat> oh, that's amazing. Given Klaus and his history, mm-hmm. yeah, very Klaus thing to do. Yep. yep. Um, and when it comes to all the things that he did when he was with Kuza, they were just justified in his mind Mm. yeah he was he was trying to survive he was trying to be the more powerful person even right now one of the biggest struggles in klaus's mind after the conclusion of arc two is (sighs) he sees kuza's point he does not think that kuza is wrong 
<laughs> there is a law that says that Kuza, if he is more powerful than everybody else, he gets to be the king. Mm -hmm. And that is the, the whole dynamic of Klaus. So that's why that inter internal conflict was so, so there, because it was between, do I hate him more or do I value my life more? And it, it, it just culminated in kind of sort of a little bit of a mental breakdown. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so that that's that's honestly it. Um, but I guess like my question is like the emotions of Klaus and Audra trying to get information on what are we about to walk into and just giving nothing. Like what was the internal, were there emotions or Klaus no. was just like, I mean, she's going to find out when we get there. Uh, yeah, Klaus very much intended to find the people of the Tuzarek tribe because he knew he needed their help. Um, he was confident enough that having you there and with his silver tongue, he would be able to... <laughs> silver tongue, pun not intended. Because um, that's also a bard ability, just so you know. Um, he knew that he would be able to escape, at least escape with his life, if not gain their trust. And he sort of accomplished that. So, and also, he doesn't pay attention, mind, to Adra. The things that she says and does are just whatever. Nice. So, there's no emotions there. Hmm. Uh, so, in episode 15, after we're done with uh, talking about Klaus and all the reveal, you say, we talk about like, oh, I was so giddy, and you say that you were super giddy. Oh, yeah. And then you say that we have not gotten to the part that you were so giddy about. Oh, yeah. What was it? Oh. Um, there were a lot of things that I was giddy about. Um, it didn't come in episode 16. I know that. Um, here's, again, like... Was like, it the underlight, or what I was think it? it? I think it was the underlight reveal. I can't remember. So like I said, my <laughs> my working memory is really, really, really bad. It's so bad. Mm -hmm. Like, this is true. astronomically horrible. Mm -hmm. um, to the point where, like, I put this back here and forgot where it was entirely. <laughs> He's <laughs> talking about the D20 that right, was behind I, his laptop. Yeah, I put my D20 that I rolled for initiative behind my laptop and completely forgot where it was. It was looking like, under the table. Right, like, didn't even, didn't even If you don't see them. it, it doesn't exist. Right, precisely. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, when I rewatch episodes, my narrations are new to me again. <laughs> now, my brain will say... Okay, and then I'll like I'll pre DM things, <laughs> and then I'll say the thing that I was thinking. I'll be like, okay, cool. I still know what I was doing, um, and my brain's still working the same way. But it's always new to me. So I think it was the underlight reveal, um, and I think a lot of that came from just the fact that like there's the under dark, and everybody knows mm -hmm. about the under dark, and the under dark is a big thing. But we don't really ever see anything alternative to the under dark. That was going to be the continuation of my question. And yeah. What, what was the, the question about I love the underlight I love the idea of the underlight mm -hmm. because it's kind of the contrast to the underdark I yes. know sorry yeah so the 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 underlight is meant to be a contrast to the underdark there is life there is actual people there are and it's not just a bunch of drow it's not just a bunch of edgelords right and so it's it's people who actually live there, who have farming societies and have light from some time of the day. And it's an actual place. Whereas, you know, the Underdark is just 
gloomy and a massive series of tunnels underground. And, like, it does exist in my world, but the underlight is cooler, I think. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay, next question. And for time's sake, 10 minutes, because I also have to go to TA hours. Yeah, we all, we all have okay. things. Yeah, we got this, Theo. Um, so, Shout out to Prost. Let's see. Uh, what do I want to talk about? Um, <clears throat> oh, no. Okay, so, Tor and semantics. Um, just the, the amount that I, I, I am going to keep coming back to Tor, but really my big question is for you, Kent, mm -hmm. with the way that Tor behaves, like you knew that he was going to be the embodiment of chaos. Yeah. What were the expectations going into that? Cause like you knew that some things were going to be very chaotic. Was it like you expected? What did you expect? Mm -hmm. Like, where do we stand on that? Cause I personally love the way Tor ended up. I think you do too. Oh yeah. But Everybody we didn't does. we didn't really talk through the way he worked. No. No, I think it was I just sort of made a call in the moment. Yeah, like, I think the Also another thing. Tor's personality didn't exist until I started talking. His voice didn't exist love until it. I Tor was Tor was formed out of chaos both like in the fiction and in the narrative and, and literally in, in the moment. Life. Oh, yeah. Formed totally. out of chaos. I, I think it worked out super, super well. Um, I, I, yeah, I honestly don't know what I was expecting because I think Tor became the expectation after he existed, kind of, mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah, no, it was very much so a... I expected Reese to bring as much chaos as Reese possibly could and you did. Especially when you started making me do charisma saves to put him into yes. the interdimensional yep. space or which I have not failed a single one yet. Well the DC is ten. Yeah. He's your hammer, you're attuned to him. He's a sentient weapon. He's not like he is a cosmic this level being, but he's so you I can, I, I can you barely have, save that. You have fail that, you, you have to roll like a nat one or a nat two to fail. Because mm -hmm. you failed once. Did I fail once? I think you failed once. Okay. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I did. the odds of you that. failing are, are so, so incredibly minimal. low. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think I think the expectation was essentially what Tor became. Okay. Nearly. Um, yeah. No, he is. His expectation did not predate his existence. Yeah, pretty much. I was I wasn't quite sure what to expect just because Tor is Tor kind of thing. Like, yeah. you Fair. know. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, no, I, I really do like Tor, though. He's a fun character. I'm going to try and bring him out more in Arc 3, just to, like, have him be more of a character mm -hmm. that's around a little bit more, because he's fun and is sheer chaos. Kent loves Tor a ton. Fran <laughs> hates he has it. to become friends with Klaus. Uh, yeah, we'll see if that happens, but... <laughs> maybe you'll get... Maybe but didn't you'll he get already that. say he liked him? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you, like, you guys don't get to talk to him unless you're touching him, yeah. so the only way you're getting to know Tor is if I throw him at you. <laughs> Come at me, bro. Sweet. Okay. okay. So, yeah. On that note, I'm going to finish the episode. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Moody and D Gone Rogue. You can listen to the rest of the Moody and D Network on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Feel free to follow us on Instagram with the at symbol Moody underscore in underscore D. Feel free to DM us with your questions. And once again, I'm your host, Rachel Sanders. See y'all next time. You didn't mess up. Oh, good Bye. Day. Bye.